Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, the club building ahead of, hopefully, a return to the Scottish Premiership at some point in the near future, all things being well. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Building? What, building. like a wall on the southern border? Building, or? no, just building building a team, building a squad. Just It's just good to see us making making moves with existing players. I know with this, we'll, we'll talk about um, potential moves for new players, and we spoke about a new signing last time, but it's also good that we're securing players that we have yeah. for a potential um, return to the Premiership. And of course, that's still not guaranteed. We've got plenty of the season left, and we don't know what might happen off the field. But um, I think we obviously have to look ahead and plan and uh, it's it's good to see because we've had too many occasions where we've ended up, I guess, um, tearing things up and starting off afresh every campaign for a while. And um, I'm just pleased to pleased to see that we're keeping some of our impressive players. Yeah, Stephen Kingsley, 18 months um, deal till 2022. Excellent bit of business, really good. I think he's probably been our best signing. Yeah, uh, we were in a a, a situation where Eddie White, not really the answer. Ben Garuccio, he's obviously gone now. And we, we went through a spell where we did have... I'm not yeah. saying strength and depth, we had, we had numbers. We had a decent youngster there as well, but obviously that... that. Yeah, and that after Hickey went, of course. Uh, but Kingsley, New Deal. I'm still waiting on the Jaron Nixon-type 10-year extension for Andy Irving. Maybe next mm. week. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about the um, the latest news, the the headlines around Hearts uh, very shortly. We are also going to look back at the last game for the men in maroon, which was the victory away to Alloa at the weekend just past. We're going to discuss the obvious signings Hearts have made in the past and some of your suggestions as to when they did so when they made those moves in the transfer market. Um, we're also going to look ahead, of course, to Hart's next game against Wraith Rovers, and we might be able to squeeze in another little quiz just for Mark. Oh. Okay, first up, very briefly, we'll just run through some of the headlines. You've, you've mentioned Stephen Kingsley, uh, mm-hmm. because I, I guess that's the big news. Today, uh, on the day of recording, which is Thursday, the news was announced that Stephen Kingsley signed a new deal till 2022. And he, he, you're right, I think he has been our most impressive signing so far. I'd say he's been our best player this season. And he's still only 26. I mean, he's, it feels like he's been around for such a long time because he broke into the Falkirk side so young and then got his move down south. was also capped by Scotland. But he has been very impressive. And it's a, it's like you say, it's a position where we haven't really had one standout for a long time. And I know Aaron Hickey did very well, but... I, Aaron Hickey was still very raw, whereas I think Stephen Kingsley has the experience and the composure, but at the same time, he's just hitting that maybe peak of his career, you know, is going towards the mid to late 20s. I think that's a great deal, because I have to say, I felt like, just with the, I remember the news came out, and I can't remember what the wording of things were, but he was considering his options. You felt like he'd put himself back in the shop window at Tynecastle and potentially he'd look for I guess a bigger move whether that was just somewhere that secured his 
at least top flight status in Scotland, because obviously by staying with Hearts, that's not quite guaranteed. So I was quite pleasantly surprised. I wasn't sure that we'd hear about this till later on in the season, or we'd hear that he was leaving. This might be contentious, not on this podcast, but if you were to do it on a Scottish football podcast and say what I'm about to say, you might get shot down. Stephen Kingsley is the second best fullback in Scotland behind Borna Barisic. Best left back or just, or just fullback? Left back. Left back. I was not a say- fullback. Um, you've sprung that one on me, so. Well, I'm looking at Greg Taylor uh, at Celtic, and I think he's 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 probably better than than him. Look, I mean, it's totally subjective. I think he's up there. I think he's up there as as someone that a lot of other clubs would like, whether he is or whether he isn't the second, third, or or whatever. He's he's a really good player, and I think it's a good bit of business. Now, right now, again, let's let's be controversial today. I would rather have Stephen Kingsley starting at left-back than Aaron Hickey right now. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Not not because long, longevity and everything like that. Give me Hickey. He's, he's a sellable asset. We, we, we saw that. We got a couple million or whatever from Bologna for him. He's lost his spot at Bologna, and it's unfortunate for him because he developed COVID. And, I mean, he was, he was playing about an hour. And they've got Tommy Yasu and, and they've got Mitchell Dykes. Uh, I've just done Bologna prep this morning. I've got them against Juventus this weekend. And they won at the weekend against Elas Verona. So it's unlikely that Aaron Hickey will, will start in that game. That would have been pretty cool coming up against either Kulusevski, not Ronaldo directly because he played probably over on the other side. But he's not going to start, I doubt, because they kept a clean sheet and that's something they haven't been doing. And with him at Bologna, he's been fun to watch going forward, but defensively, it's not just him. They, they're a bomb scare. I think they kept one clean sheet in a year. So <laughs> I, I just think with Kingsley, um, there's the, yes, there's that bit more maturity. I think he's a pretty good defender as well, mm-hmm. but he's got, the, he's got the, the ability to take a free kick. So look, if, if, it's, if you're choosing one or the other and you want to make money, you choose Hickey. But on form right now, with Hickey having lost his spot at Bologna, I would take Kingsley over Aaron Hickey. And I think what we're trying to say here is that's a really, really good bit of business for Hearts to to get them under contract until next summer. And, and hopefully there's a clause in that that they can renegotiate if things are going well and, and maybe extend them for longer. Because as you said, he's at a good age and he's a super fullback. He reminds me a wee bit of Tosh McKinley. Is that fair? I'll have to take your word on it because Tosh McKinley was... At the you tail born, end of, he was at the tail end of his career. He was at Celtic when I first started watching football, but I, I didn't really see enough of him to to say I, I would know exactly what sort of player he was. His time at Hearts was before before my time watching. Before you were born, yes. Not before um, I was born, was it? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Swashbuckling. I just I, I, I like he's he's a Hearts type player. There's been certain positions that I've kind of grown up with that. I, I've just enjoyed the players in them. I think the goalkeeping situation, we've been very fortunate in, in who we've had over the years. And I think it, at left-back as well, Tosh McKinley, Gary Naismith, Stephen Kingsley right now, of course, Takis Fisas. It's just been a position that we've... It's like Scotland. Um, Scotland are de- kind of desperate for a centre-back or where. And that would be the one position you think we, we would be uh, hopefully a bit stronger where because we were in the 80s. But left-back for Scotland is... Is fantastic. The, pr- the problem that Kingsley's got is that he excels in a position whereby we're, we're already at our strongest in the national team. So I think it's it might be a case... Back. 
Yeah, I was about <laughs> to say that. It might be the case, not for Scotland, but we, we've seen him before. Like in the cup final, he, he kind of played as the left centre-back, didn't he? With, yeah. With, um, was it Eddie White that started in the cup final at that position, or was he a little bit further forward? Regardless, he can play in that position. Just a player I really like, and that was good news today. It's interesting. I think I saw Daniel uh, McIver from Perth to Paisley said, our best left-back since Takis Fisas. Now, I would... I don't know if I would agree with that yet. Who, who have we had since? Let's, let's kind of go through and decide. I mean, the one, the one that jumped out at me is I think, and I would debate it, would be Lee Wallace, who I thought for one season and uh, 08 or 09 before he got injured, I thought he was uh, almost unplayable at times and could do... He was almost in the Callum Patterson right-hand role at times where he was basically playing left-back and left-wing up and down... Um, in terms of, uh, we've had a lot. <laughs> we've had a lot of players in that position since then. Um, well, there's there's not too many that would not like, too many that would stand out. Of, no. Yeah, I, I thought Lee Wallace was exceptional, really, really good. And when he moved to Rangers, what just after I, I came over here, I think what was he 2011? But he moved yeah. to Rangers. Yeah, it was around that. It wasn't too long um, before they ended up yeah, going I, down there. I'd say Lee Wallace was um, probably better than than Kings. At his best, Lee, Lee Wallace was exceptional. There was that, yeah. I remember that one season that he was that he was absolutely outstanding. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's certainly up there. He's one of our best um, left-backs we've had in, in recent times. Fisas, uh, then Wallace, then Kingsley. I think that, that's kind of how it's... That's the order I would give you of those three. Of those, yeah, I would probably agree with that. Um, so Michael Smith's obviously signed a new deal as well. Gary Mackay Stevens signed. Andy Irving um, is discussing a new deal. So there's certainly some good business going on at Hearts. And another piece of potential business um, is Elijah Adebayo of League Two in England, Walsall, um, who have reportedly turned down a hearts approach, an initial hearts approach. So it was just a player I want to touch upon, Mark. Um, and when we talk about a player like this, we're obviously going to be talking about someone who we don't know much about ourselves. Obviously, you can get videos online and you can read things, but I thought it worth mentioning because I know there's been quite a, quite a bit of reaction to it, <laughs> quite a bit of it negative, but that's just football fans. Um, so very quickly, uh, he is. Um, Plays at Walsall, as I say, they're sitting 12th at the moment, but only nine points off top, and I think four behind the playoffs at the moment, so still certainly with a lot to play for this season. 23 years of age, he's their top scorer this season with eight goals. He's six foot four, and he is out of contract in the summer. Um, and I thought Joel Sked, friend of the show, would be a good person to quote here because he did a little bit of work, a little bit of research. So rather than do any myself. I thought I'd just steal his and give him the credit for it. Um, he says, spent a wee bit of time watching Elijah Adebayo this afternoon. He's a key hearts target. Uh, 0.36 goals per 90 minutes this season. Second highest in the league for touches in the opposition box. The majority of his Walsall goals over the past two seasons from around the six yard box, directly in front of goal, converting low crosses or reacting to loose balls. As soon as the ball goes wide, his first thought is to make a beeline for the centre of the box. Quite good at reacting to the cross. 
also likes cutting in onto his right foot to shoot from the left-hand side of the box or making runs between the centre-back and left-back to fire shots across goal. He fits the criteria of what Nielsen wants in terms of a direct option. He has a great spring and is a handful in the air. He will look to run then jump rather than a standing jump. Even if he doesn't win the ball, he will make it difficult for the defender to get a good header. When he wins the ball in the air, there's always direction to it, flicking it towards a teammate for them to run onto or simply cushioning it down. He has a really good build, not as much of a physical unit as Uche, more slender, lanky, almost as if he's uh, very mobile and a willing runner down the flanks. Over the first few yards can be lumbering but quicker over longer distances. Um, He does talk about the fact he'll need to adapt to Scottish football. Um, He says he can be erratic with his link-up play. Um, says when he's concentrating on getting the ball under control he can be out-muscled and when concentrating on holding off the defender he can be slack with the use of his ball um, he also mentioned the fact he, um, if he, the game opens up in front of him his awareness needs to be improved because he plays with um, because he plays with his head down too often can sometimes get caught with the ball under his feet but there's an eagerness to move beyond the width of the box um, Adebayo will drift left, drift right to latch onto passes, provide an option before standing up full backs and creating spaces for others. As a target man, he isn't prolific, isn't a prolific crosser, but when he does cross the ball, he more often than not puts into dangerous areas with fast and low crosses. And Joel's conclusion is he's a good age, 23, room for improvement, good target for long balls, will make it uncomfortable for defenders and wants to get into the box when the ball is wide and does a lot of work off the ball. So I thought that was a good scouting report that Joel did. Um, What do you think then on paper? And obviously, whenever we're looking at these players, you know, you can never say, yes, he's, he's great or no, he's terrible. But... Do you understand that what Robbie's thinking is we're looking at a player like this? Yes, because we've said that that's the type of player I think Hearts need. Someone, if things are getting a little bit desperate, and they might not in the championship, but, but next season, and this wouldn't be a short-term project to sign someone like this at that age. You'd be signing him probably on a two-and-a-half-year contract if you got him uh, this transfer window. Uh, so I, I, I think that type of player is someone that we need. Uh, would he be a starter every game? I don't know. Um, I think he would give us an option. A couple of things. Our record of signing players from the lower leagues in England, strikers. Uh, We signed a player who recently played up front in an FA Cup tie against Chelsea. Didn't do well at heart. Remember who he was? Uh, Game against Chelsea. Um, Uh, A couple of weeks ago. Stockton. Was he playing against Chelsea? Yeah, Cole Stockton, yeah. And he came out and go, oh, Chelsea won't fancy it, but and they got pumped 4 0. But yeah, this is the type of sign I've got no problem with. Uh, wages aren't going to be astronomical. No, because they've got the wage cap now there. Yeah, and hearts go up to a certain amount and won't go over that. So, as I mentioned to you last week, we exclusive last week, hearts thought they had a striker, but the agent wanted £50,000. So they told them to foxtrot Oscar. So they're not going to be held to ransom by anybody, they'll, they'll just move on. I, I, like a lot of other Hearts fans, watched the goals that he'd scored on that little clip that's appearing on, on social media. It looks good. He reminds me of a better version of Eugene Daddy, former <laughs> Aberdeen striker and Livingston striker, um, going back. And just a, a little bit more mobile. I love the fact that if he scored for Hearts, 
it's it would be in his contract. This is a little known fact. It would be in his contract that the Hearts TV commentator would have to oh, mention no. all <laughs> all seventy one letters in his name. Oh jeez, God! It's like um, it's worse than Uche's. You know, Uche's oh, actual oh, name was he had about he had about five. But he's... Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't have seventy-one characters. So we have Elijah, Anwolu Wapo, Olu Warefanmi, Olu Watomi, Olu Walana, Ayo Mikulihen Adebayo. So if he scores, <laughs> you imagine Jimmy I'm... trying to kiss. <laughs> El, he wouldn't get Elijah. Come on now, you're absolutely right, Laurie. <laughs> absolutely right, Jimmy. I've not even attempted it. Absolutely right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know who, who Hearts are going for because they keep that to themselves and they'll probably be a little bit frustrated that this has come out but when you're dealing with, with an agent or you're dealing with another club they've got the local reporters um, someone says, oh we've had a bid that reporter then puts it online or whatever and it quickly gets out so there's not really that much you can do about it Hearts did really well with the Gary Mackay Stephen signing because no one knew about it that was kept doomed this hasn't been, um, and it'll be a case of, look, Hearts will try and get them this month, and then they'll decide, you know what, if if they're not willing to play ball, we, they don't care, they're not going to get any money for them in the, in the summer, I think 23 is probably too old, is it not, for for any training compensation, and you've got um, a cross-border transfer. <clears throat> between so England not, and Scotland, yeah, there won't be yeah, any. Yeah, it's like... It's like the Moussa Dembele situation. That was that was uh, his agent, um, and Celtic to an extent playing a a blinder when he came up from from Fulham could easily have gone direct to the Premier League in England, and um, it would have been a higher transfer fee. But the agents wouldn't have made as much money. So the way that they did it by taking him up to Scotland for like half a million, it was deemed a cross border transfer. The agents got absolutely weighed in, and again when he then moved, and probably again now that he's gone to Atletico Madrid on loan. That's, that's the way to do it. There's a way to circumnavigate certain things. Hearts will put a bid in. They'll not go above that. And if it's acceptable, it depends what, what they think is um, a requirement between now and the end of the season. Is it is it better off um, for Walsall to, to keep him between now and the end of the season? Is it, is it worth more to them, his goals? Or is it worth more the money in the bank? I don't know how, if they need the money. We'll soon find out. Hearts were in action on Saturday as they travelled to the scene of one of the biggest disappointments of the season so far when they travelled to face Aloha, who of course had knocked Hearts out of the Betfred Cup at the same ground late November. So Hearts were uh, coming into this having lost their previous game a fortnight earlier. It was against Dundee and there was five changes to the side Jamie Brandon, Peter Haring, Craig White and Stephen Naismith coming out of the team Ollie Lee as well who has returned to Gillingham on loan and in came Michael Smith, Andy Irving Ewan Henderson Jordan Roberts and Elliot Freer so I'll quickly so the, first, the starting 11 uh, was Gordon Ingalls, Smith right Kingsley left, Halkett better in the middle, Walker, Irving, Halliday in the midfield and Henderson and Elliot Freer flanking the false nine, Jordan Roberts. Um, what did you think when you saw the starting <laughs> eleven for this game, Mark? Honestly, I thought the seven on the bench would probably give the eleven on the pitch a game, <laughs> if not beat them. <laughs> I 
I love um, the, the noise that takes place between 1.45 on a match day and 4.45. A lot of the time, that noise, and it, for, for me as well, when you see the team for the first time, you think, okay, okay, really? Okay. And then you, the sound of reversing a, three, a comfortable 3-1 win. And uh, it's, it's a case of, yeah, who cares about what the team was? Because we, we won the game and then they, they played all right. Uh, I, <laughs> I just, when I saw the team, I was like, my first thought was, all right, who's playing where? That was that was the first bit. I mean, it, it was, what, what I would say, I, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't, you know, the result means that you don't worry about it too much. I certainly wouldn't say I was overly impressed with the surprise starters, but... If you get the if you get the result, you're not you're not. That's an understatement. I wasn't overly impressed. Everyone was like, "Is he out of his mind?" No, I mean by the no, sorry. I mean I wasn't overly impressed by the way they played anyway, despite the fact we won. It wasn't like I thought after the game, "Wow, that was a masterstroke." But one thing it was was brave because you know you know. Was it though? Is brave the right word? You're against Aloha. Forget the fact that no, no, no. I don't up. mean I don't these, mean brave these, against these the opposition, players. but Robbie Nielsen himself would have known Elliot Freer, Jordan Roberts, and Ewan Henderson as your starting three is you're putting yourself in the back foot straight away. And I, you know, Robbie's experienced enough to not necessarily care, but you know, <laughs> you, you you would know that that's going to draw that kind of reaction. You know, if you get one of them in, maybe two, maybe some grumbles, but if you're attacking three are three players who um, have not uh, been well Hend- take out Henderson here yeah the, the other two haven't been good and Robert Henderson really clear. hasn't not that he's been bad but he hasn't really had a chance to no, show not, anything exactly so. he's not had the chance well the other thing is as well Rob uh, Robbie <laughs> I've got to Robbie in a minute Laurie <laughs> we don't see them in training and if imagine Freer or Roberts have, have had absolutely worldies at training and absolutely flying what are you going to do yeah. you, do you, I, do you I, imagine Elliot I mean, Freer what, having a I don't know. I don't. But that's the thing. We make our mind up based on what we see on the pitch. He might be one of these training ground internationals that is just incredible and then <laughs> has an issue when he steps over the white line. I don't know, but we don't see what happens Monday to no, Friday. There, there was a reason that Robbie picked that team. Ultimately, it worked for him. They won by three goals to one. Were they brilliant? No. Um, I've still got a crick in my neck from from watching it on Facebook. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know what Brian's surname is, but he's a hero because he um, he puts up, and maybe it's good that we don't, I'm not going to give you surname if I had it because in case people come looking for him uh, as far as, oh, you can't, you can't be doing this. <laughs> Mike Mulroney. No. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. What he does, he, he subscribes to whatever and, and he puts his camera on his TV and everyone else can watch. Unfortunately, poor Brian forgot at the weekend to kind of turn it around the right way. So unless you've got a, a lock on your iPhone, you're sitting with your neck to... I'm actually doing this here in, the, in my bedroom and no one else is here. Brilliant. You're next either to the right or to the left. Anyway, it, it, the camera work was as, as iffy um, as Hart's performance in stages because for a while they looked like, are we going to score here? Then when they got the first, there was, there was no doubt. It was a case of... Aloha just need to be punctured for the first time and they were and then there was no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because... When we when we travelled there for the Betfred Cup, the opening half an hour, we were, we were actually very good, and we opened them up time and time again. And it was one of those games where it looked set to be 
a walk in the park. We just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. And the longer it went on with us being able to do that, the more Alawa grew in confidence, the more we started to get nervous. And in the end, obviously, it was hardly a surprise when Alawa won that game. But this game was different. It started very slow. There wasn't an awful lot of, you know, pace and determination about what we were doing in the final third. There wasn't a lot of purpose about things. But Andy Irving kind of swung it in our favour by getting that goal. And at that point, when you've got the goal lead, Alawa don't have anything to defend and it makes it a whole different game. And I wanted to talk about Andy Irving because I thought it was a a routine 3-1 victory. It wasn't something you're going to write home about, about how spectacular we were, but we didn't look in much danger. But I thought Andy Irving was terrific again. And he seems to be growing so much as a player because not only was he great on the ball, picking up passes, dictating things from the middle, he kept winning the ball back as well. You know, he was he was so good in the, in the tackle. I know he got a card in the end, but... Um, he was he was very combative, and he's just such a crucial player. I think it's I'm surprised, and maybe there maybe there are clubs stiffing about, it and we just don't know about it. But I'm surprised there's not been more obvious interest or more public interest in him because he's not. But he's not he's not the kind of he's not the ten a penny kind of player you get, especially in Scotland. Someone with that range of passing, that composed on the ball. Um, I just think he was uh, he was the big standout for me. Yep, yep, and it wasn't wasn't difficult. If anyone played well in that game, they would have stood out. Um, good goal, really good goal that he done. Watching Hearts all all those years, apart from Rudy, who didn't give a toss. Sometimes he couldn't be bothered running, so he just shoot from from they distance. <laughs> a lot of the time, it would end up in the back of the net. All the time that you've kind of watched Hearts, has there been an expert, apart from Rudy, at goals from outside the box? And sometimes we've been guilty, maybe a lot of the time we've been guilty of trying to score a, a sexy goal or a goal that involves fivers. Sometimes if you've got the opportunity, you see some of the pitches these days, it's January in Scotland, come on. Um, and don't get me, oh, they play on a synthetic surface. Well, synthetic surfaces have been called off. Uh, a couple of times, so that that means nothing, Livy. You, you can get weird bobbles or whatever. Take a shot from from distance if you got a chance. I sometimes think we just we're a wee bit reticent to do so. So for him to to strike it from there, it was a it was a lovely goal. And then Elliot Freer, I thought that was a really well worked goal as well. It was, it was, yeah, lovely ball, a uh, final pass from Walker as well. Um, and he did well, Freer, back post, um, kept his kept his run on side and. And finish well. I mean, he, he didn't do an awful lot in the game as a whole, but you know, a contribution of a goal. We've seen players in the past do. It. I, I, I am not for a moment going to compare Elliot Freer to Rudy Scatchell. But if you don't do much in a game but score goals, people will start to overlook your overall performance. To be honest, if a team wins and you get on the score sheet, people will be less bothered if you yeah do that, that's a good do point. a lot more. That's a good point because you could win again. Say Hearts drew that game 1-1 um, and, and Freer didn't score. You're looking for a scapegoat. Right now, this whole Celtic saga is intriguing for me because what this um, soap opera is doing, the whole Dubai COVID thing, hardly anybody's talking about the fact that Celtic are 86 points behind Rangers <laughs> at the top of the table. It's deflecting. And that's what can happen. If you've got something 
um, like this, you, you're looking for a scapegoat. And if that's COVID, if that's Dubai, if that's Neil Lennon, if that's John Kennedy or, or Peter Law, whatever it is, the, the kind of key story, um, the, 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 the main story, albeit it's a sideshow right now, is how far Celtic are behind in the league. That's the same as, as if Hearts lose or, or, or draw don't win against a team that they're expected to beat. Elliot Free would be the scapegoat because he's the easy target. If he's playing and, and doesn't do well, there's a lot of players that probably haven't played well, but he's the first one. And that's based on a few things. It's based on a combination of factors and that if he's not played well a lot of the time for the season, we haven't seen anything. We've seen a couple of goals from Elliot Freer, but we've not really seen anything that makes you think there's a, there's a player there. Now, there might be, but he's one of these, and they talk about players when they sign for a new club hitting the ground running. And it's crucial that you can do that. Uh, some players, fans make their mind up pretty quickly. Some can hit the ground running and then they get more leeway. They miss a chance or whatever. But if you don't get that goal or you don't produce that performance, we haven't seen that from Elliot Freer a lot this no. season. <clears throat> and with Gary McKay Stephen coming in now, I'd fully expect. I mean, if you, everyone was going on about what's, what's going to be the Hearts lineup for Allo. And then when it came through, you're like, well, what? Because people are thinking, okay, Mackay Stephen on the left and Josh Ginelli on the right and Liam Boyce through the middle. And funnily enough, those were the three heart subs that were made. Yeah, I think it's a good point um, about the fact we just haven't seen much from Freer. And a lot of it's down to position as well, because you know, if you're a... If you're a defender in this Hearts team this season and you think, well, I've not seen much of them, you know, you don't think of any obvious errors, then you're not going to be writing that player off. Even Well, they've done their job quietly, they've not stood out, but that's fine. I can't think of any obvious howlers they've made. But when you're in an attacking position like that in a team which is on the front foot for most games, you know, you don't expect to see constant quality or constant things to write home about because you wouldn't be at hearts if you could do it you know every minute of every game but you at least want some flashes and I think it brings us nicely to the second half because at halftime um, before any of the other hearts players came out I got all excited because I saw number 17 trot out on his own warming up all kitted and ready and it, sure enough it was Gary McKay Stephen ready to make his debut now it was not a spectacular debut but one thing you very quickly noticed there was a couple of times he made runs in behind and you were like oh he can run he he's he's got a bit of pace and it was just simple things like making little runs in behind a good run with a lot of pace and a couple of times taking defenders on and suddenly you're like i feel like i've seen more from gary mckay steven in you know less than a half that i've been watching him than a half from elliot freer just being direct taking players on making runs showing some pace we just haven't seen much of that. Um, and I thought it was quite, you know, I thought the young fullback was, I thought he was slightly unfortunate to get two yellows in the end, be sent off. But The, the boy Williamson. Yeah. I th- maybe. I, I've, I've actually not looked at it again, but at the time I was like, yeah, didn't look much in that. But I, I thought it just summed up the fact that we were, we were obviously trying to occupy him. We got Guy McKay Stephen on the ball. Um, funnily enough, I thought we were better in the second half and we drew 1-1 against 10 men in the first half that we won 2-0 against 11. But um, but there well, you go. The, far, the first half was dull. <clears throat> it was. Until, until, we got, until we got the goal. We could have scored 4-5 or five in the second half, to be fair. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're, tired. They're, they're, they're tired. I want to kind of go off on a wee bit of a tangent right now with a question for you. And mm-hmm. I know hopefully we'll have a quiz for, for me and our listeners at the end. I've watched 
as many games as I, I can, um, work-wise and everything like that. And I, I've got my own thoughts, but I want to get your opinion based mm-hmm. on the fact you've, you've commentated on all the games. What is your opinion of the standard of refereeing in this league? Um, of what we've seen in the, what is it, 12 games, 11 games that we've played so far? Because I'm not a fan of Don Roberts, and I don't think he's a good referee. Uh, I know Robbie's even stronger thoughts than, than that. But we seem, I think we've, we've had Nick Walsh, Alan Muir was the referee at Aloha. It's like they've given us top flight officials or better officials rather than rookie refs at times. Is, is that fair? And what's your thoughts on on the officials uh, in charge of Hearts games so far this season? I think you're possibly right in terms of they do seem to give us the bigger refs, but I'd have to... Because you don't, you, don't, you don't see one and go, never heard of him before. No, I... I, th- I think I've heard of most of them. I think there's one, um, and I, I can't remember him because I don't reckon it. I think there was one referee that I'd never heard of, and I think he'd never refereed a Hearts game before. Um, I'd have to check back my notes, but yeah, on the whole, it's names that you recognise. Fairly poor, but in all honesty, no, I wouldn't say I'd notice it being any poorer than before we were down in the championship. I I don't think the refereeing in this country is a very high standard, and it's nothing to do with nothing to do with VAR, um, which I'm not a fan of. Uh, I just don't think we have particularly good officials at times. It could be to do with the fact that. You know, you see games in England, and I know they now have VAR, and I know that there's errors. I don't know. I just, I find there's a lot of instinctive decisions get made by our referees. Um, Sometimes I might even say guessing by certain ones. I think Dallas Jr. is prone to that, going with what he thinks happened rather than what he actually saw or what he knows. So, I'm not giving you a scientific answer. It's just my feeling is I, I kind of generally feel like the officiating is a bit poor. And I don't mean against us in particular, against anyone in particular, just overall. Um, okay. But that's just a feeling and I've kind of, I guess I've grown used to it. Um, but And I know I, I just find it a lazy, well, get VAR in and that'll make it better. It's like, well, can we not just have it? <laughs> get the people not realise that it's human beings in charge of VAR. Yeah. VAR, VAR is not an issue. VAR, VAR doesn't make the decisions. VAR is a human being. VAR is not a robot. A video assistant referee is a human being. And I've seen a number of times where it's, especially in Italy this season, it's gone to VAR and the video assistant referee has screwed up as well. And there's, there's been two mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, how was it a mistake? Because they've, they've analysed it the next again week and the, the referees chief has come out. I think we're up to four or five VAR incidents that the referees chief's not happy with because he said that they got it wrong. That's that's a combination of assist of, of assistance of VAR and of a referee. That's a whole host of of officials getting it wrong. So introducing VAR into Scottish football, what would it have done? Well, last night, from the highlights that I saw, it probably would have chalked off Celtic's second goal because that looked offside to me, but what would it have done in the Scottish Cup semi-final? Hearts Hibs. That's interesting. Yeah, because potential it, penalty it, for Hibs well, late it, on. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and the the Hibs penalty that they got would have, yeah, would have. Yeah. Well, that that's the other thing. So it's interesting. We we had this 
conversation. I thought it was interesting that the chat that we had, decisions that have gone our way and gone against us, and would we have been better off over the piece over the years if if all the decisions had been correct rather than um, the decisions that were made? Well, I mean, Hearts should have had a third goal. Liam Boyce was well on side. Um, there's another one. There's another and one. obviously, it didn't matter in the end, but that would have made it 3 0. Aloha made it 2 well, 1. Yeah. If Aloha had then got. I know, but the annoying thing there is that's an assistant and his or her, I think it was a his at the weekend, yeah. inability to, to do their job. Yeah, and it was, wasn't, it wasn't a hard far. offside when you but saw it VAR, from the. Yeah, and that's the thing. VAR is used on. Well, it can only be used for one of four things anyway. Um, but it's usually... And they're always checking p- people, some some fans. And this is where, as a commentator, and, and you sh- I'd like to think you're the same, um, we, it's our job, part of our job is to know the laws of the game. And I saw, I put out a tweet and got a lot of correspondence back. It was to do with Leicester against Chelsea. Oh, the um, goal kick, was it? But yeah, the, the goal kick one. Um, Jamie Vardy was coming back from an offside position. He attempted to win the header from the goal kick. The play continued. The ball ended up in the back of the net. And a lot of people said, I can't, this is a disgrace by VAR. They're anti-Chelsea or whatever. They, that, that's offside against Vardy. There is your, there's your issue. You don't know the laws of the game, yet you've got this opinion and you're spouting absolute pish just due to an, a lack of education of that specific topic. And there, there's your thing. And the intriguing thing over the last 24 hours for me has been something, and this is a hard one, and it's it's one, it's a, it's a little known kind of law, and even Tyrone Mings came out and said, I've never heard of it. Peter Walton, who I've mentioned before, who was at ESPN, he's had a shocker on BT Sport. He always agrees with the referee. Even last night, he, he had a howler. And then he retracted it and, and came back. So when a ball is played through to a player in an offside position, we had this in the Italian Supercoppa yesterday. The ball's played through to Ronaldo, who's in an offside position. Ronaldo's not making a play on the ball. So the defender for Napoli last night intentionally played the ball. And there's the key, intent. He intentionally played the ball. But Ronaldo, from an offside position, then came back onside, took the ball off his toes... And it was played through to him again. That is not offside. And a lot of people don't know that. And the same was the with Bernardo Silva for Manchester City. When Tyrone Mings, with a player from Manchester City in an offside position, and when it was played through to him, Mings touched the ball, stopped the ball, intercepted the ball, as a good defender would do. But it wasn't the best bit of play, and he ended up losing possession. The ball was played through with the player now onside, who'd been offside, mm-hmm. and that, the flag rightly stayed down. Peter Walton got that wrong. And if referees don't even understand it at times, and he should, he, he, he screwed up. But that is a very difficult one. If you don't know the basics about a goal kick and can't be in an offside position. And when I say goal kick, I mean when the ball's gone out of play and it's kicked from the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about when a goalkeeper has the ball in his arms, because then I've got a reply. Oh, what about Mohamed Salah? He was offside in, in that game that Alisson got the assist, the goalkeeper. So you, you want to leave it, but you're like, no, I've got a point to prove here. And, and <laughs> you, not, I just sent him a... I wasn't falling out, because it's not a case of that. I just... Allison had the ball in his arms. That's part part one. So you can't be offside because the ball's in play. But part two, he was ten, 10 yards inside his own half 
when Alisson cleared it for Mo Salah, who ended up scoring. So it's a, if you're going to criticise, make sure... Sorry, I'm on my high horse now. If you're going to criticise, make sure you know the laws of the game, because otherwise you look stupid. Oh. So Kevin Colley got one back for Alloa, despite them being down to 10. Seamless. Um, Seamless. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then although it made things, obviously, more nervous than you would like against 10 men, you did have that wonderful moment. And, and I think it was... I think I saw Cheesemeister on Twitter saying, have we ever scored a goal like that before? Because you, you've, you've seen it before in games, when the goalkeeper goes up late on for a... I think it was a free kick... For a set piece anyway, and um, the other side get the ball and break, and you have that wonderful dash where everyone's trying to get back, and there's no one in goals. But <laughs> but Ginelli did really well actually. I think he just brushed aside um, Stephen Hetherington and managed to Br- brushed aside. So before he puts the ball in the back, then it brushed aside. I watched that again. I thought, has he fouled him? Nah. You're there. Well, it's it's a it's basically the defender trying to be a rascal because he knows the goalie's gone forward, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't think it was a foul. There wasn't much of a claim, to be fair. Um, and I was right, I was right in front of it. Um, and then he obviously rolls it into the back there. Good pace by Ginelli. And it's one of those. I I was trying to think about this. My first commentary game was at Pitodri in 2013, and we were leading two one in that game. We were leading two one in that game, and <laughs> I was obviously young at this point because. Aberdeen had a corner, and I was. It's in that you can't really see it in front of the that corner of the Richard Donald where you where they put you at Pataudry because it's a terrible position for commentating. So I'm stretched over looking. I missed that Jamie Langfield decided to make the run up the pitch. So I didn't notice that Langfield was up the pitch until Hearts cleared the ball, and then I looked to the right. It's like there's no one in goals, but it was. <laughs> It, it wasn't quite as good as that one because it broke down slightly. An Aberdeen player managed to tackle one of the Hearts players in the middle of the park. So by the time Stevenson picked it up, Langfield was just arriving back in his goal as Stevenson then thumped it into the top corner. That was the closest I could think to that. It wasn't an open goal in the end when he rolled it in because Langfield just got back. I don't know if you could think of one where we've had a breakaway and it's been a completely really. unguarded net. No, I mean, there's been a few, but we never seem to score that. I'm surprised more goalkeepers don't go up in in times of of desperation, especially when it's like the last. The well, last exactly. Time. If you if you last minute of of added time, or I I I don't know what the actual percentage of goals scored at the other end is. We had a goal in the Super Coppa yesterday when Napoli pushed everyone forward. The goalkeeper had kind of come forward to an extent, but not too far. But it was basically a two on two left. You see you see that all the time. But with a goalkeeper in the opposition box. I don't. I think it's less than ten percent of of of, of goals um, that come from that. It must, in fact, even less than five percent. It rarely happens. So to see that, and I mean, what's the difference between losing two one and three one? Absolutely nothing. My favourite part about that goal was what? <laughs> I guess. I I I know exactly. It's probably almost every Hearts fan's favourite part. It's uh, <laughs> a, a shout. That is heard oh. over the video, the replay that was on Twitter. I I was there. I didn't hear it at the time, but obviously I'm sitting with a headset on commentating, so probably miss it. But um, <laughs> there is a shout which is along the lines of, there's your effing medicine. Uh, do you want the quote verbatim? Because that's what I thought it was. There's your effing medicine right there. 
Yes. The reason, that's the reason I know that, that that quote is verbatim is because the man who said that was not Gary Locke. The man who actually said it said, I'm surprised not more people thought it was me because how would you understand it if Gary Locke actually said it? <laughs> He's from Bonnyrigg. <laughs> so, Robbie Nielsen and Dick, there's your fucking medicine right there. Unprofessional? Who cares? They don't like that club. I can't speak. Hearts as a club, <laughs> you know, yeah. Hearts as a club don't like Aloha as a club. They don't like the way that the club is run. Um, they don't like what they, how they get involved in other people's business. They just don't. There's no love lost. That's fine. You're not going to get on with everyone in life. So, I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> with with that. Um, from the coach, though. I don't know. Well, if the commentator can't behave, then how do you expect the head coach to? You never behave. You're lucky we've got a game at Tynecastle this weekend. <laughs> one of the few grounds you're allowed to go to. So the win... You know, they, never mind that. Let's, never mind that. So the win, boot hearts, how many points? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Rewind. This is, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is important. I have to say, I thought that was funny. Your tweet. Now, for anyone that's, that's unaware of, of things that went on, What's the uh, chronology of your tweet to their tweet to Hart's tweet to full time? Because I thought this was I thought this was funny. Well, there, I mean, there was a there was a little bit of beef between with this before because um, Alawa had their pay per view for the Betfred Cup and they were they were just needlessly going on the wind up with Hearts fans who were potential customers for them last time. And it just it just left a bad taste in the mouth even before the game. Um, you know, Hearts had tried to promote the pay per view and the Alawa were picking things that the official Twitter account had said. We didn't have any facilities last time at all. Apparently nothing worked, so we just had to do it via a phone call, which isn't great. So I put out a tweet, not tagging anyone, not tagging Alawa in it, just saying that um will be audio only for Saturday's game um, and it's likely to be through a phone call so prepare to get transported back to the 1970s um, for through through some transistor radio style commentary basically because last time I was there people actually a few people said I feel like I'm listening to the 1970 World Cup it's quite enjoyable actually it feels like <laughs> so I tried to make a joke on that and then Alawa's official tweet before the game said you know, along the lines of game against Hearts, three o'clock kickoff, we're on air here, live pay per view, and then it said one of the options, obsolete nineteen seventy ISDN nineteen seventy style radio commentary with us with a line through it. So obviously they'd searched their name and found that I tweeted about them, not even tagging them. They'd obviously been looking for something. So <laughs> So they had a little a little comment, a little dig at hearts and me before the game. Um so I prepared an image which I was only gonna use if we won because obviously yeah, you don't want to look like a you don't look like a dick and lose the game. <laughs> so um I it's me it's me in my heart's jacket with a headset on commentating with um it's meant to, it's my arm around Jimmy was the actual photo, but I've changed Jimmy to being the Aloha badge as his face. And I've put it on a, a background which looks like it's from about 1920s football. Black and white, grainy picture. Um, and then after the game when we won, I then tagged Alawa 
and I actually can't remember what I said exactly. Let me just go and scroll down it. So I tagged Alawa and said, Well, Alawa Athletic, I've enjoyed my visit to the KFC Arena and three points to take home, but this place seems a bit obsolete, so I'm leaving the 70s and heading back to Edinburgh. The K- I thought it was Recreation Park. What's it called now? Well, I'm just having a dig because you can just see the KFC that kind of looks over it. Oh, okay. I was just trying to be a bit of a, an arsehole because if it just, yeah. It's not actually the KFC arena, but it's the most notable landmark there. Bit of fun. That was a bit of fun. That was, that was, that was above the bell. I thought it was humorous. Humorous. Anyway, let's move on. Yes. Okay, last week. With Hearts signing Gary Mackay-Steven, we put the homework question to you as when did Hearts make the obvious signing? So this is the player that fans were maybe crying out for, someone who had a track record at this level, was available within our budget, in a position that we needed to fill. So uh, quite a few um, good suggestions for this. So I'll start with an email, Kelman chambers email saying hi guys another great pod and i love the quiz too yeah thanks kelman we'll, we'll get another one squeezed in before the end uh, dennis winus looked a good fit until he played um re-signing Skatchel and webster worked and dave mcpherson if you want to go further back so that's some good suggestions there and i think they are reiterated by some others so let's have a look uh, he mentions dennis winus and a few other people did flitch also mentioned dennis winus says Scored goals for fun with Inverness, but just couldn't do it with us. Various strikers have failed to deal with the fans' expectations. Old Castle Rock said Dennis Wyness in 2003 seemed like an obvious signing, playing alongside De Vries. Um, and Martin Taylor says Dennis Wyness seems the obvious one. He was a prolific scorer for Inverness in the second tier, and it was seen as a bit of a coup to have beaten Aberdeen to the signing. Um, there was definitely a clamour from our fans to make the signing. Um, and certainly at the time, Dennis Wynas, he'd scored 27 goals for Calais the previous season, albeit obviously a division down. But I do remember being very pleased that we managed to acquire him, and Aberdeen were one of the other sides in the in the bidding. Yeah, uh, he had a, a goal ratio in his time at Inverness of better than one every two. <laughs> and then we sent him back there because it didn't really work out. But that's a good shout, just player that just seems that's a perfect fit and for whatever reason it didn't work out 14 goals in 77 games for hearts harry temple says lafferty springs to mind uh, for years we've been crying out for a 20 goal a season striker and he was as close as we had um that's a good that's a good point and of course lafferty did score uh, 19 goals in a season which was the most in a season since robo um last time we've had we've had 20 uh, in a season was 91-92 and was of course John Robertson but that's another one where I was delighted you know coming from a championship club albeit he hadn't been playing regularly for Norwich City but proven with Rangers in Scotland an international a regular international wasn't even 30 at the time Hart signed him I thought that was another one yeah there's some there's some good ones coming through Kyle Lafferty I thought was was excellent for Hearts and I mean he's become a bit of a journeyman uh, I, I, Robbie doesn't fancy him to come back. I don't know where, where he'll end up. Um, I mean, if the other thing from a Hearts perspective these days, what what are you what are you signing? What are you getting? So Gary Mackay, Stephen, 
they sign him on a two and a half year deal, right? So he's not going to have a sell on value. That that's a there's a for then and a for now. Gary McKay Stevens a for now. Kyle Lafferty would have been a for now, but he hasn't. Um, this kid from from Walsall would be a a for then, albeit playing now, but someone who you think you could you could um, help get better, uh, improve, and then sell on. But I think I think that has to be a bit of both because you can't have a, a team full of eleven players that you've signed in the hope that you can sell them all on in two and a half years. Because you need you need the crux of of yeah. the team to have a little bit of of experience. Kyle Lafferty brought that at the time, and I thought he was an excellent signing. Bry Pye mentions all players who've returned, Robbo, Rudy, McPherson, um, it's Bry Pye 04, Billy Steedman also mentions when we brought Robbo home. Um, I, I mean, what was that like? That was, I don't know if you remember it much, it was obviously before um, my time when Robbo came back to Hearts. It, it seems, you know, to me, very obvious. I mean, I take it that when that potential was on the cards it must have been like yes do it at any cost i think they ended up paying three qu- to get him back three quarters as, of a million wasn't they it? sold them for that was that was the kind of money that was quoted at the time um whether or not it was true or not it wasn't it wasn't much of a difference between the two i actually went down I think what age was I? About 11 or 12 years old. And mum and dad took us on a weekend trip to Newcastle. And Newcastle were at home to Norwich on the Saturday. Um, 1988 it was. And Willie McFall was in charge. Mirandinha, Michael O'Neill, Darren Jackson, Dave McCreary all played. Oh. And so did John Robertson. Uh, Brian Gunn was in goal for Norwich. I've still got the, the old programme. That was my second time, I think, at an English ground. But I was able to watch Robbo. And I mean, he was the he was the goal scorer um, that that I'd kind of my first game in '85. So in the three years between going to my first Hearts game and and seeing Robbo at Newcastle, he he was the guy that scored most goals. I loved the flair of John Colquhoun and and Robbo put the ball in the back of the net. So he, he kind of was. I didn't know at the time that he he would kind of go on to be one of my heroes growing up, um, but. I saw him play for, for Newcastle and it was a kind of, you're not shouting, come back or anything like that, anything daft, but <laughs> it just looked, it looked wrong. See when you see some players in, in other jerseys. Scatchel for Dundee United. That just looked weird. That, that looked weird. Uh, players that we sold to Rangers and Celtic, I hated that. I didn't like seeing them in, in the colours of the old firm. I was gutted when Neil McCann went. That was. Yeah, it, it was just. I mean, there was a spell when Rangers and Celtic just cleaned up Scottish football. Anybody that was decent, they'd just have them yeah. and do whatever whatever they want with them. Um, so Robbo at Newcastle, and it, to be honest, it never really worked out for him down there. No. And oh, I was yeah. del- delighted he came back. But he, I, I remember he came back in 89. There was a European game. It was the one, was it, it was the one before Bayern. Was it Velez Mostar? It was definitely one of them, and, and I think he'd signed on the morning, and I think they announced it that day. My mind might be playing tricks on me, but I know that his return, because I'm sure I saw highlights on the Amoruso Let's It Run Twitter account of sports scene, maybe. I think it would have been. It used to have the European games on on a, a midweek night, and the commentator was talking about how uh, the, the prodigal son has returned, and I think it was Velez Mostar that game again apologies if i'm wrong but it was just it was just yes 
he's back. Because honestly, when we let him go, and when we let him go, when, when he went down to Newcastle, I didn't think we'd see him in a Hearts jersey again. A few people mention a recent signing, Craig Gordon. Uh, New Jersey Jambo mentioned Berra, Naismith, and said Gordon. John McKellar said Craig Gordon this year. Um, and I'd say it's working out so far, though he's good enough to offset the defensive fragilities in the team and do more to prevent some of the soft goals we've shipped. Um, Will Stevenson says, well, Craig Gordon, surely. And that's a good point. I think a, an obvious signing that was delivered by... Robbie Nielsen and, and Ann Budge. Um, here's another good one. Uh, Corner says, one that sticks in my mind is Kevin Kyle. Had a couple of good seasons at Kelly and JJ brought him there, so it seemed like a matter of time before he was with the famous. What a player he could have been for us had he not struggled with injuries, but what a half season. Um, Steve yeah. Weddle also says, Kevin Kyle, we knew he'd be great. JJ had him at Kelly and it seemed a cert he'd gel immediately. And he really did, because that season he, he, he came in and he'd scored um, 10 goals in, in, I think, 36 games the previous season for Killy. So not prolific, but JJ signed him, Jeffrey signed him for his for his link-up play, his overall play. And that was a season where, obviously, Hearts, for quite a bit of it, gave Celtic and Rangers a run for their money. It wasn't until late mm-hmm. January, February, where they really fell away. And then, not surprisingly, almost in time with Kevin Kyle being out, um, things started to collapse because he was the spearhead of that team. They went on a 10-game winning run. And I think it was Elliot and Templeton normally that he played either side of him in like a 4-3-3. And he just held the ball up and brought players like that into play, flicked, to get, flicked the ball on. You know, He could hold off defenders so well. And when you needed to go direct to get balls into the box, he would win headers. He was a really effective player. Um, and he only actually played 22 times for Hearts. The first time I really remember Kevin Kyle was playing for Scotland under 21s because you're always keen. I like the national team. I love the national team. Um, and you, you always, I think one thing we haven't done very well uh, over the last 15, 20 years is develop players from the 21s to, to then come through to, to the first team. I mean, remember Christian Daly was, was certainly one of them that, that did so. But Kevin Kyle was one of these players who was in the Scotland under 21 side, but he didn't play for a Scottish side. He played for Sunderland at the time and they had high hopes for him. Mm-hmm. And he, he did okay. And eventually I think he went to Coventry um, and he, he spent the first what decade of his, his career down South. And a few players have done that, but then when he, he had that good spell at Kelly, I'm just reading up about him after hearts, Paolo Sergio's departure meant there was kind of no place for, for Kevin Kyle. And he, according to what I'm reading just now, he had a trial with Dunfermline, training with them, and then St. Johnson on trial before he joined Rangers. But whoever got in touch first of all and said that the injuries um, curtailed what could have been a, a an even better career. But yeah, I think they're absolutely spot on with that. Uh, Anthony Brown, um, author of Reminiscing with Legends, of course, and guest on the podcast previously says most recent examples Lafferty, Naismith, Berra, Boyce, Gordon, Gary Mackay, Stevens in terms of unanimous support um, support excitement and being proven in Scotland and he said could also make a case for Kingsley, Isma, Walker and Halkett although they wouldn't necessarily fit that fans were crying out for it criteria and it's this interesting um, 
thank you for everyone who, who sent us messages with suggestions. It's interesting what Anthony's pointing out there because we've actually we have signed the obvious player quite often recently. We've 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 made you would say signings, and we you know we sp- we spoke about it in the season where we ended up you know finishing bottom of the table when the season got curtailed. The start of that season, and certainly the season before, we talked about a decent some decent windows on paper um, quite often. You know, with some of the, the Naismith coming in, the Halkett coming in, better returning a bit earlier than that Naismith coming in the season before. You know, we made good signings on paper quite often. And, play, and I, I'm thinking back to them. Players that when we signed them, fans were generally like, I'm pleased with that. I remember before these two players signed, there were Hearts fans outside Tynecastle pleading. They had signs... Um, pictures of these two. I mean, there must have been about 10,000 fans outside Tynecastle demanding that Hearts sign Martin Petrash and Ludek Stratini. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they did. I mean, obvious ones. Yeah, gone are those days, right? Oh, indeed. I think, indeed. I think part, a part of it is where Hearts are right now. I mean, they're, they're not third place in the Premiership with um, untold riches. They are where they are and living within their means, which is why, to an extent, Hearts were in the problems that they were in over the last decade because they spent what they didn't have. We now have a, a kind of... I think there's a... We wouldn't mind paying that for that player wages-wise. We would go to that, but that's it. In extenuating circumstances, we might push the boat out if it's someone we really feel would benefit the team Maybe has a sell-on clause. We'd get bums on seats if you were back at at Tynecastle. But that would be on a rare occasion. Uh, Gone are the days where you'd get players like Gordan Petrich on a five-figure weekly wage. And thankfully so as well, uh, because that that was never going to work. You're right. We we have signed a lot of kind of, that makes sense, type players. But you're never going to get them right. And that's going back to where we are in the table. We're never always going to get them right. No, no. Hopefully, sometimes. <laughs> well, I think you know what you get with guys like Craig Gordon and Gary McKay-Steven and Stephen Kingsley. And you're surprised if they don't hit the ground running because it's not like you're bringing them from the continent and they need time to settle. And that's that's another benefit of, of signing players, not necessarily Scottish players, but players that, that know the game here. And that would be part of the reason why, to an extent. I mean, risk assessment the guy from Walsall. You don't know how they're going to settle. Just, I mean, who's the kid? We had a kid signed from West Ham, Paul. Oh. You know the guy? And, and it, didn't, it didn't work out. It was a striker. I think he played in a League Cup semi-final or something. Um, yeah, some, some, I mean, they're talking about Eddie Howe, and some bookies have, have stopped betting on, they've, they've um, stopped the, the market on Eddie Howe reg- uh, moving to Celtic to replace Neil Lennon. Eddie Howe got homesick going from Bournemouth to Burnley. <laughs> so there's no guarantee if you sign someone, even if it's from Newcastle, that they're go- or that area, that they're going to settle into Hearts. So your Gordons and your Mackay Stephen and your your Naismith to an extent, you know what you're getting with them, and that's I think that's a reason, a good reason why we've signed those players. Okay, since the quiz, the little quiz oh. I gave you last week went down oh, so well. Um, Ryan McGowan loved it. 
He's he, doing it in real time. I know. He's messaging us. <laughs> he's messaging us with the answers. We're like, we know, because he's listening back to the <laughs> podcast. We're like, and he's got his 12-hour time difference. And so, I know. We, I, know. I woke up to all these messages of him guessing. Oh, <laughs> so, 30, so, honestly, that's what he's like. He, if it's not you, it's me. There's like 35 messages to wake up to. Uh, was it Don Cowie? <laughs> Jesus, son. <laughs> but something had happened. So, so, so last time I did a, a transfer market, a transfer window. Oh, okay. What we got this week? So, so this one, since Gary McKay Stephen had a, a man making his debut at the weekend, what mm-hmm. I'm going to do this week is I'm going to be a parts player making his debut, and I will explain the context okay. of the debut, and you've got to tell me who I am. <sighs> Okay. Please be prior to 2010, because that's my excuse. I've done, I've done a mix, so they're all okay, again in the last. Uh, there, there's years. more. I've done five. More of them are before 2010 than after. Okay. Um, I don't know if I, should I give you the year when I say it, or is that giving you too much information? It depends on how hard the. Question okay, I won't is. give the year initially. Okay, so, okay. Um, first player. I made my debut on a Monday night at Tanadice. I was 24 at the time. This was my first competitive match in the UK. I started on the wing, my preferred position, but couldn't stop Hearts losing the game 2-0. I'm not from the UK, but I did have one of my fellow countrymen in the starting 11 with me. Jean-Louis Valois? No. Shit. I've got extra things I can give you if you're... Uh, Monday night, Dundee United. I'm probably going to need the year for 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 these. Year, <clears throat> excuse me. Year is 2009. Okay. Uh, so did you say he's a winger? He's a winger. 24 at the time. This was his first competitive game in the UK. Not from the UK. Um, was it Suso? It was indeed. Suso yes! Santana, who would go on to play 71 times for Hearts and score nine goals, including two against Hibs. My other clue was going to be that he does still play now. Does he? Um, he does indeed, back at Tenerife. He's, uh, oh, he's that's a decent level as well. Yeah, so he does pretty well. And his fellow countryman was... Don't tell me his fellow countryman was it Ruben? Yes. Palazuelos. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Well done. Okay. Player two, I yeah. also made my debut at Tanadice, also in a defeat. I arrived at Hearts with a bit of hype. Well, quite a lot of hype, actually. Um, I was 23 when I made my debut, coming off the bench to replace Jamie Mole on the hour mark. Likely to be a striker if Hearts lost and were chasing the game, or a forward player. <laughs> yeah. I did not score in the game, and would not score for Hearts. Um I wore the number nine shirt, and I also hadn't played in the UK before. Is it David Viteveen? No, but you're on the right kind of track. Okay, without getting the year from you, was his debut in the same game? No. As Suso Santana? No, it wasn't. It was earlier, if that helps. Uh, I'll need the year then. 2008. Oh, so not too... Just a year before. Okay, um, a, you said so. You didn't say he was a striker, but the likelihood is he's probably going to be. He a wore number nine, so it wasn't that big, daft Danish boy Tolberg, was it? <laughs> yes. Was it dead? He'd make seven appearances for Hearts. Only two of them starts. 
He made his debut in a 3-0 defeat to Dundee United um, in September 2008. And of course, he was bigged up because he was scorer of Danish Goal of the Year in 2007. That that's spectacular that's, overhead. That's like, it's, like, it's like Rangers signing Givars <laughs> on the back of a World Cup performance. Yeah, it's just because, yeah, there's no guarantee that just because you've signed goal of the season scorer that you'll be Tilburg. Yeah, and he's. I, was, I think he's coaching Dortmund I reserves was, actually. Wonderful. I'll sleep tonight on that. Um, he reminded me a little bit of Yo Michaela Makela, whatever you want to call. Well, useless. Just in that. I just there wasn't as much hype around Tulberg, but yeah, similar. Just a striker, a, a Scandinavian striker that didn't make a an impact. At Indeed, heart. Hans Eskelson was another one. Well, that's another not who, Scandinavian yeah. dud. Anyway, sorry. Okay, we'll go to another one. Um, this is a little bit more recent. Um, oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the year because it's more recent. So I made my debut mm-hmm. in 2015 at the age of 22. Mm-hmm. It was a game okay. away to Livingston. I came off the bench and replaced Sam Nicholson. I managed to score on my debut. It was also my first time playing in Scotland. He scored on his Scored debut. on his debut. And... It was 2015, so it's, this is the Premier League part of 2015, and not mm, the division. It was away to Livingston, so... I can't even remember if we played Livingston in the Championship. Um, was it... Uh, go and give me the clue again. So, Please, sorry. 2015, he was age 22. Mm-hmm. It was his first time playing in Scotland. Debut away to Livingston, came off the bench, scored... He would only make nine competitive... Sorry, I'd only make nine competitive appearances for Hearts, if that helps. Okay, I am going to go with... Uh, my father is from Dundee, if it helps, albeit it was my first time playing in Scotland. I've got the wrong game, haven't I? I wasn't... It wasn't the the Petrofac training cup game, was no, it? No, no, it was a oh, win. Shit. It was a win in the league. It was a win in the league at Livingston. So he must have that must have been the February and came off the bench. Oh God, I'd forgotten about this guy, <laughs> Kenny Anderson. Yes. What a good question that is. <gasps> wow. Sounds Scottish, but wasn't. Um, the Dutch, the Dutch Scott, Kenny Anderson. What became of him? Uh, I don't. I believe he doesn't play any longer. I think he actually retired early because of injury, oh, or or whatever. But I'm pretty sure he retired early. Um, if he if he came up to you in the street, said, no, do you I, know who I am. I wouldn't recognise him. How many Hearts fans do you think would know who he was if he came up to them in the in the street, six feet away with a mask on? That'd be even harder if he had a mask on. You wouldn't know who he was. I think I can picture him now that we're thinking about it. But if if I wasn't that thinking about Kenny Anderson, I wouldn't I wouldn't recognise him. Oh, look. I hmm. Kenny Anderson Hearts. Oh no, God, no! I I thought he was. Sheesh, yeah. Okay, he had the skinhead look for a spell. 
Okay. Oh, there's the. Uh, okay, good. Okay, I'm gonna give you another one. So, um, okay. next one. I made my debut at Tang Castle in 2003 against Aberdeen. Okay. I started the game on the right of midfield. I was 26 at the time, and I wore the number 18 shirt. 2003 against Aberdeen. If there's one time that you really hope your internet stands strong and doesn't go down, I've got. Sh- I live in the woods. I've got shitty internet. That doesn't. This site can't be reached. Piss off. Well, I you should be looking be things reached. up. You should be trying to. No, but I, I'm hopeless. But come on, I need a little bit of help. Okay. Um, well, t- 2003. 2003. He started in the right midfield. He wore the number 18 shirt. He was 26. Um, he. I can. My clues are probably going to give you too much. I currently manage a League One club in Scotland. I thought it might be Paul Hartley, but I haven't looked it up. It is Paul Hartley. It is. It, it is. is. Okay. My next clue is I won 25 caps for my country, but we don't have that many players that win that many caps, so I thought that would. But yeah, number. I was trying to think if you would. I'm quite sad at remembering squad numbers. So I wasn't sure if the number eighteen would have would have assisted. Um and obviously when Hartley signed, we did put him on the right. Um for Yeah, quite a I, bit. the League One manager was, was what I went on. I couldn't have told you that that Paul Hartley's first squad number was eighteen, despite the fact I commentated him and probably all of his. No, you probably wrote down number. that number every week in your prep. Every week, yep. Uh-huh. But there you go. Paul Hartley he made his debut in a two 0 win over Aberdeen. August 2003, under Craig Levine, Mark DeVries and Andy Kirk were the goal scorers. Okay. I, think, I think it's important, before you get to your, your next question, um, I probably spent about 30 seconds talking to you, not <laughs> realising that my internet had <laughs> gone down, um, as I kind of think I explained beforehand. And I was like, oh, the, qu- the quiz master's very quiet here. And then I looked at my phone and it said, connection lost. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, <laughs> this is this is minus internet now. So anything I get, I deserve double points because my memory is rubbish. Well, let's see if you get this one. So um, okay. I won't give you a year for this one, but okay. um, when I made my debut, I became the oldest Hearts debut player in almost thirty years. On his debut. On his debut. So we're not talking about oldest Hearts players. We're looking at oldest debutant. It, it was a Scottish Cup game away to Wraith Rovers, and I started at centre back. When did Hearts Hearts played a third round tie at Starks Park in the Scottish Cup? I'm sure. Uh, that's a super question. You, um, you just got to think old, because obviously, if you you know, although it's not, we're not talking old overall. You know, oldest players making their debut, you're still you're still going to be old because this is the oldest one in. In 30 years at the time, oldest player to make his debut. Can I get a rough... Uh, is, it, is it within our time? Yeah, yeah, it's game. it's it's recently. It's games... Uh, it's it's You're talking games I would be commentating on. Oh, you games that you were commentating on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Um, oh, I could cover that... full-back and centre-back, although... Probably less so full back in the in the later years. So, 
it, it would have been thirty something then, yeah. Oh, de- yeah, definitely. Um, let me just think. So thirty-seven, two months, and fourteen days. If you want to know the exact age he was when he made his debut. Okay, was I'm trying to think the team would have been. Um, do you know who he partnered in attack? In defence. Uh, sorry, in defence. Um, not off the top of my head. It would have been. God. Well, okay. Let's let's go this way. The older players that we've had of late, and if that's a few years ago, Aaron Hughes was pretty old. Mm-hmm. There you go. Was that him? Yep. Aaron Hughes made his debut in a 1-1 draw at Starks Park in January 27. As I wow. said, aged 37, two months, 14 days. The oldest debut maker, if you want to call him that, since Murray McDermott in a UEFA McDermott. Cup game yep. against St. Pat's in 1988. Yep. He mm-hmm. was he was actually over 38 and a half at the time. Um, sub-goalkeeper came on for Henry Smith. Henry Smith, yeah. Can I, can I say that as a quiz master, I feel you're very lenient towards the contestant because he does push the boundaries of taking additional time by some BS <laughs> trying to, oh, my internet's gone down. and the, the oh, fili- God, Is it the filibustering? Is that what they call it? Filibustering. <laughs> Jeez, a hell of a lot of filler. So we're, we've got one more left, have we? No, no, that was that was the last one. And I, my, my note on it was that Craig Gordon's second debut, he was older than Aaron Hughes was on his debut if that counts for anything. 37 years, 9 months and 6 days. Do you remember when we had Craig Gordon on, he was talking about how he has never, for hearts, completed 100 consecutive games. Remember he said that? He was stuck on 99. Yeah. And did he get injured yeah. or suspended? Um, so the trip that hearts, that hearts, that Scotland went on, which Craig made his, whatever, appearance for his country, that, that's a reset because that's a first team game and ultimately goes down as a, a first team game he missed. So <laughs> he's back to square one following that game. Um, wouldn't it be great if he got 100, 100 games consecutively for Hearts because that would mean that he's still going to be with us in a couple of seasons and still Indeed. hopefully play yeah. well. Then there's no reason he can't be in a goalkeeper. No. Okay, very quickly, let's have a a brief talk. Uh, Wraith Rovers at the weekend. That sounds serious. We are a brief. T- we need to have a talk, Mark. We need to have a talk. Um, we need to have a talk about not giving any time to preview the next game. Um, Wraith Rovers have not played since the 2-0 defeat at home to Queen of the South on the 29th of December. They've obviously had um, some COVID issues, so it's not entirely clear what sort of team will be available. It might be that everyone's back available. They might have a few players out. We just don't know at this stage. Um, so. Let's not try and dig too deep into the opposition. Let's just talk about Hearts, who have, we understand, almost a full squad available as things stand. What do you hope to see on Saturday? Now, this is a doubleheader, Mark, so we'll probably be back after the two games. Saturday at Tynecastle, Tuesday at Starks Park, two games against the same opposition. We're obviously hoping for two wins. There's no point in saying otherwise. What are you hoping to see? Are you wanting to see a bit more of Mackay Stephen? I'm wanting to see a front three. Mackay Stephen mm-hmm. on the left, Janelli on the right, boys through the middle. That's all. That's what I want to see. I, and I 
I fully agree, and I think I know. Um, I know Doerface, you and Murray, you know, former guest of the show, doesn't likes to look at the what, negative side. Why what we, was that thing he was talking about with Janelli? Oh, he's. Oh, I want to see him play a bit more before we commit to him. Um, injured. He's looked good when he's not been injured. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I mean, there's always a risk, you know. I'm not. We can't sit here and say, oh yeah, Josh Janelli will be a, a a roaring success if we sign him for sure. But I think he's shown enough, even in the flashes, that he's worth us making an attempt to sign him. We're in talks. Um, I think that would be great, you know, to have Janelli Mackay Stephen offering support to boys or whoever might be up front um that's that's exactly what we've been missing for a while that sort of pace directness i i would i would be and i think i said in a tweet um which i think is what you and murray responded to i would be more than happy if if and when we get promoted if we start the season with Mackay stephen one side and janelli the other 100 mm-hmm. so anyway, let's hope for two big where wins fit, where does that fit naismith in <clears throat> I don't know. Depends on the system. <clears throat> I don't think if, go, if, if Naismith if is with us next season. No, um, yeah, I know, but I'm I'm just talking about the next few games. Um, Walker, Naismith, Janelli, Mackay, Stephen, Boyce, new signing. Hmm. I mean, Walker's been playing. Top. Walker's been playing slightly further back recently, so he doesn't yeah, have to he, be in the no, front he, he, three. Correct. Yeah. So um, I think I think we'll get a lot of the ball. It's been it's been interesting reading a couple of articles over the last twenty four hours about teams that play at home against sides that have got no interest in attacking, and just sit in and how frustrating it can be for 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 the home side. The reason I read the article is because a lot of home games for Hearts can be like that. Again, it's impossible to speculate with regards to Wraith Rovers who they're going to pick, what they're going to do, and. Uh, what's what's the beef situation with that football club? Are we? Uh, we're not pals with them, are we? Well, Wraith Rovers were on one of Wraith Rovers were one of the teams that were up against us in court. Remember, Wraith Rovers, yeah, Cove, yeah, right. and Wraith, Cove, and Dundee, Dundee United. United. So, yeah, they were rascals. And they have tried to build bridges, I believe, since though, but. That was, many people saw that as a well, you know, fine well that Hearts will be in that division. And I think at that point, people thought there might be potential that they'd be trying to get Hearts fans to still go to their ground. Albeit now, we know it doesn't really matter because Hearts fans can't be there. But they could still be encouraged to pay for a stream, I suppose, when we go to yeah, Starks Park. But, I, um, remem- I remember one of the, was it the chairman or whoever was on sports side with Craig Levine and Levine made the point about oh well mm-hmm. Hearts will uh, and this was after Levine had finished with Hearts uh, he was trying to stir things up he's going oh well I'm not sure if Hearts will be loaning you any players oh that's a disgraceful thing to say and then it kind of kicked off again so I, I don't want to fall out with, I, I like Ray Rovers I like the five clubs <coughs> well but I want to beat them I want to yeah. beat them Whatever, whatever good, you think. I want a good performance. I, yeah. I don't want a first half hour before we score. I want us... We say every week, Laurie, and I, I haven't seen it much yet. When was the last time? You, you can tell us. You've, you've seen every ball kick this season. When was the last time Hearts came flying out the gates? Um, <sighs> well, there, there's, there's a good answer straight off the I mean, back. definitely Dundee. I'm trying to think if we had... Yeah, that's the first we, game of the season, though. I mean, we see the things. We were three 0 up at half time against Alawa, but 
they were honking. But I didn't feel like we, it was. We were, you know, we, we were we, flying. We nice, um, that was the game we scored a nice goal, wasn't it? The, the was it the Walker cross in for was that Naismith hat trick? Um, no, that was our both. Alawa was Smith scored early on. Um, Haring scored an holiday, yeah. but Maybe. Mm-hmm. Dundee we were we were out the blocks. I'm trying to think if there was another game where we were. Someone's probably going to say shouting at us, going, "You fucking forgot in that game." Well, I don't um, think there'll be that many shouts though. The bottom line is, you've just answered that question without answering the question. There hasn't been enough games in so a league that we enough, expected no. to squish. No, there hasn't been enough. So there's. There's the two things I would like to see in answer to your earlier question. The first part, which I've already answered, the front three being Mackay Stephen, Ginelli, flanking Boyce, and part two would be quick out the traps for a change. Let's be a couple of goals up inside 20 minutes and then let them come at us. They've got no excuse after that to sit back and and try and play a a defensive game. Any side that's two goals down in the early stages or or behind um, needs to open up a little bit more then we could hopefully see um, a little bit more space. Because the longer we wait to score, the more confidence the opposition gets and the more frustrating it can be for us. Indeed. Let's hope there are no frustrations and we can be talking about two big wins for Hearts when we're back. Just before I go, I just want to let everyone know about um, a collaboration uh, which is coming up between Big Hearts, obviously the charity associated with Harvard Lothian, albeit still separate from the football club, and podcasts, ours, Scarves Around the Funnel, Perth to Paisley, This Is My Story, and We Have No Cares. So uh, more details will come out if you keep your eyes on the Big Hearts Twitter page, at Big Hearts, and we'll, we'll put something out there as well, which is our twi- Twitter is at Around the Funnel. Um, it's, it's a simple thing that we're organising. It's a place to have a chat with fellow Hearts fans, um, trying to help reaching people who are isolated during everything that's going on, the, the pandemic, and we know it's a tough time for lots of people, and sometimes just the simple interaction that you maybe used to get at the pub or at the game is something that a lot of people miss. So it'll be something online, of course, likely through Zoom, um, and to be arranged directly through Big Hearts. So it'll, it'll basically just be a simple Zoom type catch up with a few of us, a few of us who do the podcasts, who will be hosting if you want to call it that, and there'll be some slots available, and there'll be some times arranged. All the details will be at the Big Hearts Twitter page and website, so keep an eye on that. Um, yeah, and hopefully that'll be a bit of fun, but also give people maybe a bit of interaction that they've missed during this sort of isolated times that we have at the moment during the global pandemic, which has been going on for, oh Christ best part of a year now um it's been a tough 10 months or so um but hopefully there'll be some light at the end of the tunnel soon and hopefully um in the short term next week we are discussing some positives after a couple of good hearts results but until then thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time of sugar helps the medicine go down, the medicine go down, medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. A robin feathering his nest has very little time to rest while gathering his bits of twine and twig. Though quite intent in his pursuit, he has a merry
tune to toot. He knows a song will move the job along.